RadioInfluence.com. Ding, ding, ding. The bell has sounded and something's going to go down for the count. I assure you it won't be author Vince Everett Ellison who comes out swinging, exposing dangerous, seductive, and destructive lies that Democrats continue to sell to Americans as truth on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available on RadioInfluence.com or your favorite podcast platform. A great way to show your support is by subscribing to this podcast, give it a rating, and leave a review. And be sure to tell your friends about the broadcast. Do you believe you know a lie when you hear one? Democrats obviously don't think so. In fact, their entire existence as a party has been built upon one big whopper after another. And if we dare to call them out with cold hard facts, they double down and lie some more. Sadly, far too many Americans buy into what they're selling, but not this guest. His bio declares that, quote, Vince Ellison is America's most fearless truth teller. You want to learn why? Well, let's get into it. Okay, I'm going to give everyone a few seconds to sit down, make sure you're properly secured, and strap something hard on your head. Okay, you ready? Are you sure? Well, ready or not, here he comes. America would not be anywhere in the mess we're in if there were more men in households and in public office like my podcast guest. You want to know the truth? Vince Ellison brings it in megadoses to the extent that hair-raising experience takes on an additional meaning. In his first book, The Iron Triangle, Vince exposed the liberal Democrats' plan to use race as a device to divide Christians in America in their quest for power, and he told us how to defeat them. In his new book, Vince painstakingly dismantles the 25 lies underlying Democratic policies and arguments and provides readers with the tools we need to understand and refute these myths and deceptions. He lit it up as a guest when he was on my show, when it was a live broadcast, knocked it out of the park, and he's here to do it again. I welcome back to the show the author of the new book, 25 Lies, Exposing Democrats' Most Dangerous, Seductive, Damnable, Destructive Lies and How to Refute Them, Mr. Vince Everett Ellison. How are you, Vince? All right. Hey, it's great to be with the great Gary Benford. Thanks for having me, man. I'm honored. Uh, the, the honor is mine. I, I mean, uh, every place I look, uh, you know, uh, I've had two. Alex Newman has been a guest here recently and John DeLemme. I, I just looked and there you are. Conservative Business Journal with John DeLemme on with the New American Video. Alex Newman, you look here. People would know the Laura Ingram show, Bill O'Reilly, Dan Ball on New, Newsmax. You are making the rounds and you're making the rounds because this book, just like your first one, is a beckon of truth. I hope people read it. And I want to start here because I found it very interesting about Simon & Schuster, your publisher, about the fact check. So tell them about the fact check about this book 
and how they drove you crazy and why. Oh, yeah, man. They they went deep. Um, uh, I had this guy that was editing the book. Me and my daughter called him Snake from uh, Harry Potter because he was so mean. They were checking everything because I've I, I made accusations, as you know, Gary, that a lot of people never heard before. Even these people at Simon & Schuster had just never heard it. And so they fact-checked it and fact-checked it and fact-checked it. And since this book's been out, it dropped January the 11th. Nobody has refuted not one fact in this book. It is factually correct. And it, and it will blow your mind. Okay, well, let's blow their mind, which you tend to do with mega doses of truth. So let's start here. This is one of the things that you have said on interviews, and I'm sure it's in the book. The Democratic Party is the most evil organization in the history of the world. Explain. Yeah, uh, when you go back to the beginning of the Democratic Party, uh, back you know, it's inception. Some people say it's you know eighteen. I mean seventeen ninety six. Others say it's eighteen hundred. Uh, but ever since its inception, uh, it has had to find a way to kill Americans. Uh, it has been the party of slavery from eighteen hundred to eighteen sixty. Then it was the party of the Confederacy from eighteen sixty to eighteen sixty five. They killed over uh, close to a million Americans and trillions of dollars worth of property damage trying to hold their slaves. That's one reason they wanted to keep black people enslaved so they could beat them and kill them and rape them. And then after they lost the uh, Confederacy, we tried to do some, we tried to do some reconstruction down South. And of course they started the Knight Riders and the Ku Klux Klan and started killing of the freedmen and then tearing up uh, houses and raping and castrations. And after the union soldiers left, they disenfranchised black people. They kept them from voting. They uh, uh, became extra constitutionalist rebels. For 100 years, they stole elections. They killed people. They intimidated people. Um, uh, didn't give, they didn't give black people equal protection under the law. And it took the federal government again to come down during the civil rights movement to give black people protection against these, these white Democrats. And after that, they started killing people on an industrial level through the abortion industry. They brought about socialism. Uh, they brought about atheism. And that's what we're dealing with right now. There has never been a time in the history of this nation where the Democrat Party hasn't had to find a way to murder the American people, most of them black people, either outside of the womb or inside of the womb. And to my calculation, they have killed up to 100 million people with their own hands since their inception in 1800. Well, you laid that out pretty, pretty well right there. That's the short answer to the history. And uh, one of the things that you say that I think I've been talking about ever since I've had a radio broadcast, and I think America needs to wake up and understand, as you say, the issue no longer is about policy differences. They're coming to take us out. Please explain what you mean by that. Yeah, we, 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 we believe for a very long time, like we thought with the Soviet Union, this was just, you know, we just had policy disagreements. We had different theories of government and how we should treat our citizens. And finally, Ronald Reagan came up and said, no, this is an evil empire. They are, they, 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 they are the center of evil in the world today. Ronald Reagan just laid it out and said, we have to defeat them. We no longer are going to uh, uh, try to get along with these people. We're going to take them out. And before Reagan left the White House, not long after he left it, they were gone. Abraham Lincoln said the same thing about slavery. No longer do we have positive disagreements. A house divided against itself cannot stand. 
He said that this, this nation will not survive half slave and half free. It will be all of one or all the other. And of course, he said that the Democratic Party was trying to enslave the whole nation, both black and white. He said it was going to be all one or all the other. He wasn't just talking about black people. He said they're going to enslave black and white people. And he called this system evil. We took it out. Winston Churchill, people have been dealing with Hitler, talking with Hitler, saying that he's just another world leader. Then Winston Churchill came up and said, no, this man is evil. He's evil. And when he described him as evil, the whole world came together and took him out. This is what we must understand about the Democratic Party. This party is not just another political party. It is an evil organization. Like what's going on right now when we have to deal with all of this inflation and, and, and you know, whatnot. No, 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 no. This has nothing to do with, this is not a mistake. This is a plan. They understand that conservatives say, we want to give freedom to people and we, and we get, and, and, and we get our power through giving prosperity and freedom. Democrats get their power by pain. If you don't believe me, go to the inner city and look at what they're doing to black people, the people that love them more than anybody in the world. If you would want to see who the Democrat party is, as John F. Kennedy said in front of the Berlin wall, when he said, let them come to Berlin. If they want to see what communism is, Go to the inner city. George Orwell said, obedience is not enough. Unless he is suffering, how can you be sure that he is obeying your will and not his own? Power is in inflicting pain and humiliation. Power is in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new. That's the Democrat Party. So they raise the prices on everything. That might hurt me and you a bit, but to some people, it's going to take them out and turn their lights off. So what will these people do, Gary? They got to go to the government and they got to sign up for the Democrat Party. You and I might can survive these high gas prices and, and this inflation, but to some people, they're going to have to go back to the food step line and ask the Democrats to take care of them. See, this is their plan. They say the more pain we cause, the more power we get. And we have to decide in this country whether or not we want a party like that leading it. Uh, you're right about that, Vince. And I have uh, two things based on what you just said that have to come up now. And then we'll get into your book, 25 Lies. The first thing, please explain to us. If white people say that white conservatives are racist. And. It was the white liberals, as you just explained, that it, as opposed everything dealing with race. It was the white liberals that opposed the civil rights movement. Why are so many blacks following whatever white liberals say? They're white, aren't they? If white people are racist, white people are racist, according to them. Why would they look at the white liberals and follow what white liberals say when it has been proven all through the history of time White liberals have been the, the, the enemy of the black people and trying to keep them down or keep them down, as you just said, at the bottom of the totem pole where they need big government to be their daddy instead of God. Black people have always been connected to the Democrat Party, whether they were conservative, whether they were liberal. It did not matter. If the Democrat Party, if you got a conservative Democrat, like uh, the conservative Democrat, black Democrat in um 
uh, George. His name is um, uh, Congressman Sanford. He's been um, pretty, 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 uh, he's a black guy, but he's been kind of conservative for a very long time. They vote for him. And you can have somebody as, as liberal as Nancy Pelosi, and they'll vote for them. Nancy Pelosi stood up there and said, I remember saying it, I put it in Iron Triangle. She held a glass of water. And she said that in, in, in these minority districts, these people vote for this glass of water if I put a D in front of it. She said, if you don't, if your listeners don't believe it, look it up. She was she was on camera and she held up a glass of water and said that these people will vote for a this glass of water if I put a D in front of it. Well, we know what Lyndon Bain Johnson said, remember? Yes, he did. <laughs> you want to say it or you want me to say it? For the next 20 years. Yep. Yes. They understand us better than we understand ourselves. But this is not a condemnation. This is an explanation. Stockholm syndrome is real. Battered wife syndrome is real. And they have put black people into a state of learned helplessness. And learned helplessness is what we just say in the black communities is giving up. Giving up. I just I just can't do it no more. I can't make it no matter how hard I try. Just keep give me enough to keep me alive. That's learned helplessness. Now the question is. What do we do to bring people out of a learned helpless situation? The government will not do it because most of the time when you get in a state of learned helplessness, the government is taking advantage of that. They're, especially Democrats. They're not going to do anything to help you. And a person that has been so demoralized and so humiliated cannot listen to truth. I don't care what you bring. If you bring a person in a state of learned helplessness to truth, they will not hear it. They cannot hear it. Go and try to talk to a crack addict who's fiending and talking about politics and see what he'll see if he'll pay you any attention. Go and talk to a, a woman that's been battered and beaten down and see if she'll listen to you when you start talking about Republican and Democrat and conservative and liberal. They won't hear you. So what do we do? As Christians, as Muslims, as Jews, we have to do our job and go down and get these people the same way we're concerned about what's going on in Ukraine right now, and we should be, and what Vladimir Putin is doing to those poor people. We hate to see a bully beating innocent people to death. It, it has a visceral effect on Americans. But we need to get that same heart when it comes down to the people of the United States of America and what the Democrat Party has been doing to black people for 200 years. They have been beating the hell out of black people for 200 years. They've been shooting them, killing them, raping them, hanging them, but they're good at deflecting what, they, what they've done and they want to put it all on America. So... All over the world, the people all over the world don't know it's the Democrat Party doing it. They think that it is America doing it, and that's how they get away with it. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of my book, I talk about how the, Demo how the Nazis in the 1920s came to America and consulted with the Democrat Party, and they wanted to find out, okay, we want to do to the Jews what you guys have done to black people, make them second-class citizens and be able to kill them whenever we want to. And the Democrat Party said, well, you came to the right place. We'll tell you how we did it. And my book chronicles the whole thing. There have been books written about it, but this is how they made the mistake. They said that, that the Nazis came over to look at American racism. This wasn't American racism. Um, it was Democrat Party racism. Jim Crow was Democrat Party racism. It wasn't American racism. America made the Democrat Party stop it. Now, what is Nazism? Well, Nazism is defined as using, using politics to elevate one race over all others. And that's what the Nazis did. They elevated the Aryan race over the Jewish race and used politics to keep the Jews down and kill them. For 170 years, Gary, from 1800 to 1870, from to 1970, the Democrats verbally said that. 
They never backed down from the fact that they didn't want to be nothing like the black people. They wanted to separate from them. They wanted to keep them down. They, I don't ever want to be as low as the nigger. They would say it. They never backed down from it. They spoke it loud over yeah. favors. Lester mm-hmm. Maddox, Ross Barnett, they said it. George, George Wallace. George Wallace. Said, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. That's who they were. And that's still who they are. So when you look at the black community now in the Democrat Party and look at the white people living in Manhattan and Beverly Hills, you see black people haven't gotten any better in 200 years under the Democrat Party. They've just been able to deflect their heinous, murderous actions on the rest of this nation. And we got to start letting people understand who they are. And that's what 25 Lives does. Right. And uh, I got that. And one thing you said, you brought the Jews into it. And I want to talk about the Jews because one of the things that you have been pointing out is what the Nazis did to the Jews. They learned from it and they weren't about to let that happen again. And look at what's going on in this country now. Look where the Jews are, but look where the black people remain. Why haven't the blacks learned the lesson? Remember how you just said the Nazis came over to learn from the Democratic Party how to put their foot Mm -hmm. on a group of people? Why haven't blacks gone to the Jews to learn how to get the foot taken off? Tell you why, because Jews had leadership, they had trustees, they had people that loved them. But go into our history. Our history was a history of sellout blacks, traitorous blacks, accommodating step and fetch it blacks that got close to the white establishment and kept their positions of power. What you have now in black society are the descendants of that old house Negro, you know, regime of slave days. You know your Bible. You know how God took the Jews out of Israel and then mm-hmm. he took them and put them in the desert for 40 years and he made a people out of them. And by the time they were done wandering, they went and took Canaan in one day and they built themselves them. right. tribes and mm-hmm. they had themselves a, 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 a priesthood that kept the gospel. I mean, okay, kept their kept kept their religion in line. And even and, and they kept it in line even until after the Holocaust. So when it came time for them to go get their people after 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 Germany lost the war, they took them and they 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 built them back up. They took them to Israel or they brought them to America and they put the foundation back up under them. After the Civil War, no such thing happened. The House Negroes went and got the slaves and put them right back in the cotton fields, and they were in charge for the white master. And to this day, it's the same thing. After the civil rights movement, all of those civil rights people all joined the Democratic Party and they said, now that black people can vote, Master, we're going to give them the vote for you. And all of them then went down to the black community and said, now we want you to vote for George Wallace, Lester Maddox, and all those white Democrats who voted against civil rights movement and civil rights legislation, all of them started getting black votes. And they got them until the day they died. That's because our leadership, the NAACP, SELC, CORE, Urban League, the Iron Triangle, and the Black Preachers, all of them, are a bunch of sellout, step-infested Negroes. Yes, I said, and I said to their faces. Okay, Vince, here we go. Uh, people, prior to uh, coming on, Vince and I had a little fun talking about his football days back at Memphis. And when he played, it was called Memphis State, I do believe, and knocking people out and how he loves quarterbacks. Ha, 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 ha. So, but uh, what, yeah, because as a defensive player, what he loved about quarterbacks, you know, defensive players want to eat. They want to eat, so they love hitting them. So we were going to talk, and we are going to talk about 25 Lies, his latest book. We will get to that, but I'm going to have to call an audible here because Vince – 
in answering that question opened up why blacks remain in the position they're in. And that was what he wrote about in his first book, The Iron Triangle, the Iron Triangle, in which he talked about how black ministers, black organizers, and black politicians were conduits of the Democratic Party who were paid and whose sole job was to keep blacks on the Democratic Party plantation. So since we're talking about why blacks haven't been able to get out of this morass, please explain the premise of the Iron Triangle. You already just gave, you know, the end to this. Tell them about the unholy trio here and why you and myself have great disdain for them. Yeah, thank you for that, Gary. Um, the Iron Triangle, th- this book was written after I had worked in a prison for five years. And I saw the, and this was during the 90s when the Clinton Biden crime bill was locking up black men like cattle. And uh, I lived a pretty good life. I was born on a cotton plantation, and my father bought us out of poverty. And I thought we had overcome. So when I uh, saw these young men being locked up in such astronomical numbers, of course, I'd ask the black intelligentsia, hey guys, what's going on here? How's this happening? And of course, they said, you know, rich, white, evil, conservative Republicans hate black people and just locking these black men up. So, so I, I resigned my post to go down there to try to help these young men stay out of prison. And when I got down to the ghettos, I saw something real, real interesting. I saw no evil white Republicans around. You see a leprechaun before you saw one. <laughs> but what I did see, I saw a bunch of black Democrats. And the ones making money off of the chaos was this group I called the Iron Triangle. Most black preachers most black politicians, and most black civic organizers. That's just conduits to the Democrat Party, man. Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, NAACP, Black Lives Matter, and of course the Black Caucuses, right? And their job is to do one thing, make sure the black people vote 90% for the Democrat Party, period. And the Republican Party doesn't come down there because they made a deal with the black Democrats when it comes to redistricting to pack all the black people in one in, in these black black majority districts, and if the black Democrats stay out of their white districts, they stay out of their black districts. And these black people have heard nothing but lies about conservatism for the last 30 years. They made this deal in 1992 with Lee Atwater, and they've never broken it. So when you wonder why these black conservatives and black Republicans get no help when they run in these majority black districts, that's why. Vince, I understand the politicians, because politicians about power. And uh, I understand the organizers and the activists because that's about power and get a little good little name for yourself and flame and glory, fame and glory. But you've got to explain the black preachers who supposedly are supposed to belong to Jesus Christ. What you do to the least of these, you do to me. And they are supposed to be about the freedom that Jesus died for people on the cross to make all people free. Why are they standing in the pulpit saying one thing and then actually taking handouts and taking under the table and enslaving their people and worse yet, deeming people to hell by getting to support things like abortion, same-sex marriage, and everything the Bible clearly proclaims is against anything that God stands for. Gary, that is a great question, brother. And this book answers that question. It started with, with, with slavery when they decided to start preaching Christianity to, to the black slave. There was a time when white people believed that you couldn't hold a Christian as a slave. 
And then finally they started believing that, yeah, you can't hold a Christian as a slave. And so they said, well, we got to teach them a proper Christianity. And that Christianity was a Christianity of, sub, of being, being subservient. Now, let me tell you something, and a lot of people are enlightened when I tell them this. Nonviolence is not a Christian virtue. Non-aggression is a Christian virtue. There's no virtue in you and me walking down the street together as two Christian men and seeing a woman getting raped. And we said, well, since we're Christian men, we can't help her out and hold those guys for the police. No. Amen we for that. We help her. Thank you. We whoop those guys until they stop fighting. We're going to say, stop resisting. Stop resisting. And when they stop resisting, we stop. We stop. The there you go. We stop. And then we hold it for the police. Police say, but wait, there's no virtue in you and I walking down the street and seeing a young girl, a, a two-year-old child about to get kidnapped and put in the sex trade. And we don't go to that child's aid. God punish us for that and not hold those guys for the police because they are dangerous to society. There's no virtue in you going home and let your, letting, letting marauders come in and rape your Amen. wife and daughter and steal Amen. your stuff, man. Ain't no virtue there in you man. go. But Amen. they told the slave that lie to make him lay down and take his butt whooping from the white master. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so they developed a ministry and a, and, a, and a priesthood that preached that lie. And Martin Luther King Jr. and all them southern ministers became part, part of it. They became mm-hmm. part of it. This is why black people allow themselves to be disarmed in these war zones because they taught them this lie about nonviolence. It is a lie. Now, so Martin Luther King them go down, the civil rights movement. But this is how, how, how crooked their minds were. They couldn't do violence themselves, but they could contract their violence out to a third party. So they needed the law to take care of them because they were too cowardly to take care of their own selves. So they went to Washington, D.C. and said, hey, hey, we can't whoop these white folks down there. But can y'all come and whoop their asses for us? That's what mm-hmm. they did. And when they got laws passed so that they could get what they wanted and the federal government put the gun to the people's head and said, now, either Martin Luther King or your brain's going to be at that lunch counter. But they got what they wanted through violence. But they never taught the black community. Never taught them. Never taught them that you should stand like a man and have masculine Christianity. So what happens? They then come down. They go to the white man after, you know, these white Democrats after the civil rights movement. And the white Democrats say, all right then. Now y'all got the right to vote. Here's some money. Get your congregations to vote for us. They say, yes, I'm boss. Because they were already an apostate group of preachers because they had a false Christianity. This fell right in line with their false Christianity. They, they are supposed to be subservient. They are supposed to take bribes. They are supposed to uphold what the master tells them to do. That's who they are. They've always been this type, and they are an apostate group. They are the same as the Pharisees and Sadducees when Jesus Christ came and ran them out the temple and when he would just cuss them out and call them generations of vipers and liars and like the father of the devil. It has gotten so bad that it has become a perpetual ministry, black liberation theology. Mm -hmm. So ridiculous talking about that um, um, uh, Jesus would have identified with black people and would not identify with white people because black people were oppressed and and hated like he was. And white and white people are elevated, so he wouldn't he he wanted to be identified with the oppressed. It's ridiculous. But they preach this stuff in the pulpit. It's hatred, it's greed, it's envy, it's jealousy. And all of it is coming. All of it is coming from a place of pain where black people were told. And this is, and I'm gonna tell you something very, very interesting here. And your listeners can 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 look this up. This is getting ready to blow your mind. 1961, 
Martin Luther King Jr. is kicked out of the black church. People going to say, what? 1961. Hear me out. Look up the Progressive National Baptist Convention. It's a real thing. Not the National Baptist Convention. The Progressive National Baptist Convention. Now, let me tell you what happened. 1961, Martin Luther King has been told to get the black church, the National Baptist Convention, the biggest Baptist organization in the world, 10 million people strong, involved in the civil rights movement. So he wants to take over the convention and instill his president. He wants to kick out Jackson, who's been the president for years. So in 1961, he brings his people down to the National Baptist Convention and they hold an election. A fistfight starts on the floor and a preacher is actually killed during the melee. King loses a vote and it's retribution. They kick him and his boys out of the National Baptist Convention. True story. King wanted to use the church for sit-ins, for, for rioting, uh, for marching. So what does King do? He goes and starts his own convention. And it's a progressive National Baptist Convention. It's about one-tenth the size of the National Baptist Convention. This is the organization that Raphael Warnock is affiliated with. Not the Baptist Church. The Progressive Baptist Church. And this church is an apostate church. And all it is concerned about is politics, 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 where the National Baptist Convention is concerned with getting you to live your eternity in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, black people have gotten confused. Since Martin Luther King Jr. has become a martyr, everybody believes that the Baptist Church is also political. Even many of the Baptist preachers have taken on the tenets of Martin Luther King and the Progressive National Convention. But they're two separate churches, and a lot of people don't know it. So they follow behind the teachings of King, which is actually not even the teachings of the Baptist Church. This is where the confusion comes in. Most black religion does not follow anything that these black preachers are talking about. They don't even know what their own religions are talking about anymore. So your listeners need to look look up the Progressive National Baptist Convention, and they will see that in 1961, the black church actually kicked Dr. Martin Luther King out because he was becoming too apostate. And now they've taken, and because of this, politics, Democrat politics, politics has eroded the black church and has become grafted into it. And it all came from 1961 when King basically did an offshoot from the National Baptist Convention, put politics into the black church, and it's never been out. Well, thank you for that, Vince. And I think you know where I stand on this whole issue. See, to me, there's no such thing as a black church. There's no such thing no, as a not. white church or an Asian church. To me, there is the church is the body of Jesus Christ. And here's what Jesus stands for. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. And you don't follow, follow a black you man. You don't follow a white man. You follow the words of Jesus and you follow the Bible. And there is no race. The only thing in the ra- in Bible is where Paul tells you to run the good race. God couldn't care less about black and white. God couldn't care less about male and female. God couldn't care less about rich and poor. God cares about either you accept my son as Lord and Savior of your, of your life. He pays for your sins so you are acceptable to me in heaven or you will live forever departed from me, which is 
Any departure from God is a place called hell. God is only concerned about saved and non-saved. We, as individuals, get into all this whole thing. One of the things that happened back during the Martin Luther King time was exactly what you're saying, Vince, that the church was going to get involved in a secular civil rights movement. If he See, I have no problem with, with leaders doing a secular thing. But you can't do a secular thing and a God thing at the same time because the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world are two completely different worlds. So Martin Luther King needed to make a choice. Either I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ and be a minister of God, or I'm going to become an activist and try and do a civil rights movement. You can't do both. If you wanted to do both, what you would have said is that Christians, if you are you know, doing anything to children of God. If it had become a children of God, it would have forced white Christians to have to decide, am I going against a black brother in Christ here for a secular reason? So the whole thing was completely blown out of proportion. It got God into government. I mean, it got God out of government. And this is what the Democrats have always wanted. They've always wanted to separate things. Like there's a black church or there's a white church. Mm -hmm. How many times do I hear the white man wrote about, the white men weren't even around at Jesus' time. (laughs) They were nowhere near their, their... Go, go look. <laughs> the whole Bible's in the Middle East. Come on. You know, so, but what has happened here is one thing that is biblical, that people will either follow God or they follow government. If we can even go back into the Old Testament, God wanted them following him and the people wanted a king. So he gave him Saul. We know the whole story. I saw mm-hmm. everything up. And same thing's going on now today. Either you're going to follow God, you're going to follow that Bible. And as a Christian, you're going to follow or want what God wants, or you're going to have government. You can't have both. So what has happened? The Democratic Party responsible for kicking God out of the government, out of the government, out of the schools and out of the workplace. So now too many people want God to be their daddy. Excuse me, want government to be their daddy. And we're seeing mm-hmm. the stank fruit of that decision. Please explain Brother, about... You're yeah. exactly right. Yeah, you're exactly right. I couldn't have said it any better myself. And it, it and 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 the, the, the sad thing that, that, that has happened here is that, you know, there's hardly anybody in the black, well, like you say, black church doesn't exist. And I agree with you. If we had done it correctly the way Jesus Christ told us to, and that is that when white people said, hey, I don't want you eating at my restaurant. You say, that's fine. I'll go build my own restaurant and you can come be, eat at mine for free. You would have changed their heart. If they had said, I don't want your children going to school with mine, well, I'll build a better school and your child can come and learn at my, ch- at my school for free. See, Jesus told us to let my let your light shine. He said, if I be lifted up, there you go. I'll raise all men unto me. He said, they will come to you because of who you are, because of the life that you live. He never stalked anybody. He never begged anybody. He never put a gun in anybody's head to follow. He said, ask and it shall be given. Knock and the door will be open. If you seek me, he didn't say, I'm not going to find you. If you seek me, you will find me. We started stalking. We started begging. It is a sick mind that wants to be around someone that doesn't want to be around them. And that's, and we did not get the respect of the world. We got the pity of the world. Even our leaders talked about how despised we were and how hated we were and how mistreated we were. And now after that, 50, 60 years later, 
Where are we? We're still at the bottom of every socioeconomic statistic in the Western world. Even Hispanics that come over here uh, from Mexico make more money than the black community the first year that they're here. How the heck is that possible? And these people walk around here and strut around here like, like they've done something great for us, like there's something virtuous in what they've done. Well, all they've done is stood on our backs and kept the black community down at the bottom. And this is what we have to get people to understand. That as we look at this in America, they have to understand that they are coming for you. The black community is just a template. We're the experiment. They are now with critical race theory, uh, systemic racism. They're going to apply this to the, to the white community and they're going to have white children hating themselves. In the same way they've, they've, they've convinced black children to hate themselves. They're going to have them killing each other in the same numbers that they have us killing each other. They're going to have them aborting their children like we're aborting ours. They're going to have uh, uh, us uh, uh, selling, have them selling drugs to each other and destroying each other the way we are doing it. See, because when they look at the template, the areas where all of this crime and all of this murder and all of this uh, um, uh, immorality is happening, this is where they have power. And they said, so the more immorality we can get started, the more power the Democrat Party can achieve. And that's their plan. You're absolutely right. And events. And, and here's what they've done a great job at. And this comes from the communist plan. What they've done a great job at with taking Christianity, Christianity, which is about BC. I'm black, but I, you know, in 1997, I gave my life to Christ. Black is technically my race, but my identity is being born again. I am born again. I belong to Christ and I follow him now before I followed the Democrat party. Now I follow what God says. What they have done is taken people and gotten them to choose being black or white over being born again, being black or being rich or poor over being born again, being male or female over being born again. And they've used their unholy trio, race, gender, and class to replace God's holy trio, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Listen Mm. carefully, people. When you hear black leadership, even amongst the pastors, do you hear them talking about forgiveness? Do you hear them talking about anything about slavery, forgiveness, or are they talking about reparations? Or we got to get up? Mm-hmm. No justice, no peace. No, no Jesus, mm-hmm. no peace. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. see, and they have flipped the script and they've gotten you to look at being black or being white or being female, or being, you know, a feminist, or being rich, or being poor, and zeroing in on the secular over the eternal. And this has caused this great divide that has allowed the Democratic Party to divide and conquer. But the first thing they had to do was get God out of the family, out of the family, out of the schools, out of the workplace, and the government. And now they can replace it with big government. The Democratic Party is big government, And now you got 25 lies that you say they are telling the name of your book, 25 lies exposing Democrats, most dangerous, seductive, damnable, destructible lies and how to refute them. Vince, the big thing is how to refute them. But what are the lies? Well, one of the biggest lies, the first one I start out with is the lie that they tell the population and the voters here in America. And that is it's only politics you won't be held responsible. God won't hold you responsible for it. And we have to let these people understand that you are going to be held responsible for how you vote in front of God if you do not repent. If you know that you're going to be, if a politician tells you, hey man, if you vote for me, 
I am going to use my power to kill babies, to uh, restrict religious liberties, to disarm uh, people in war zones. Uh, and you say, yeah, that sounds good to me. I'm going to vote for you. And then he does that. How do you think you're not going to be held responsible for it? How do you think that you're not going to be held responsible for the, for the, for, for, for the aborted babies, for the, for the murder, for the, for, 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 uh, taking these people's ability to defend themselves? How do you think that? So that's the first lie. So, uh, you know, and then there's, there's a second one that says guns are bad. Uh, disarm yourself is good. That is a lie. Absolutely. You have to be able to defend yourself. You cannot be free unless you defend yourself. The other, there's another lie that says uh, uh, school slavery is good. Educational freedom is bad. The education of your children should be the most important thing in the minds of a parent. For a Christian parent to send their child to a school that they know will not protect them, will not educate them, but will indoctrinate them with gender confusion, with critical race theory, with hatred, with envy. Vince, is, is I, Vince, type of child abuse. Vince, I got to stop you right there because I want to ask you a very, very difficult question. I faced this. I The biggest joy of my life was teaching Sunday school at a, at a, at a church uh, at age 7 to through 12. And obviously, I'm teaching them about God, that God created the heavens and the earth and created us and that Jesus is the Messiah. And and some of them would go to uh, a Christian school, but some of them would go to public school. And these were white kids and they go to a public school and they come back to me and they say, Mr. Benford, you're telling us that God created the heaven and the earth and our parents are telling us to listen to you. And then on Monday through Friday, they send us to school and tell us to listen to the teacher and get good grades where the teacher is telling us God doesn't exist, that we came from monkeys and everything came out of nothing. And they're saying, who are we supposed to listen to? Mm -hmm. See, because you just talked about the schools and education. Yeah. How did you see the, the schools, the public school system is a godless Marxist school system. They can't get educated because first off, the Bible says the only thing in education about the Bible that says is raise your kids in the ways of the Lord. Well, they're not That's getting right. that in a public school. So how mm. do parents square this? Because if you can't homeschool or you can't send your kids to a private school, you're behind the eight ball because they're going to be taught from day one evolution, no God. So then everything we've talked about for the last 45 minutes goes by the board because there is no God. And this stuff would be a fairy tale. That's why I would tell anybody and every parent, when you have an opportunity to vote, you ask that candidate, are you in support of school choice? I mean, through vouchers, tax breaks, charter schools, all of it. And if he says no, they shouldn't get your vote. If he or she says no, they shouldn't get your vote. This is the most important issue of our time, the education of our children, because now the school system has been exposed. They started feeling themselves. They got a little arrogant this, this last past two years. You know, they showed how, how, how they held the parents in contempt when it came down to COVID, mm -hmm. you know, they'll just send mm -hmm. the children to school. They are, no, 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 no. Keep them at home. We don't care. We and we gonna get paid. You know, uh, we gonna make them wear masks. We gonna do what they're, they're gonna do. What we tell. We're gonna teach CRT, and we don't care if you like it or not. We're gonna teach systemic racism. We don't care if you like it or not. We're gonna have drag queen story hour, and we're gonna and we're gonna 
uh, and, and as in Washington State, they even have a law that they passed that said the children between the ages of 13 and 17, he'd have a sex change operation without their parents' permission or knowledge. And that the insurance company un- that their parents are paying for has to pay for it. Now, see, this is who these people are. This is evil. And when you have a system like this that is now telling you, and we've heard people say this, Gary, they have asked these people, well, do you think parents should have uh, the right to the, uh, have a say-so in their children's education? The, 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 the guy running for governor here in the state of Virginia said, no, I don't want parents having anything to do with it. But hurt the woman, the, um, uh, the woman that started the 1619 Project said, no, parents should have nothing to do with that mm-hmm. their children. These people are letting the cat out of the bag. And it's, uh, it amazes me that any parent, any parent would vote to send their child to that public educational system when they have a vote. Now, if you don't, I know some people ain't got the money. I know that. I know it's a hardship. I know you're working. I know you can't homeschool. But if you have your vote, your vote should be for school choice. And that puts you in a position where you can at least have say so how your child is educated. If they're not teaching them to read, if they're not teaching them to write, you can pull them out and send them somewhere that will. And it will make the government educational system better. The same way uh, UPS and FedEx make the postal system better. They, the, the postal system wasn't thinking about doing things overnight uh, uh, before UPS and FedEx started doing it. We have to put competition in this system. And then we can send our children to, to Christian schools, to Muslim schools, to Jewish schools, whatever we want to do. And we can hold these people accountable. But they want to tell you that if you do that, you're taking money from the public educational system. You should be concerned about your child. Not a system. I Period. hear you. Yeah. And but people, you got to understand. Tells you. Yeah. And the Democrats, this is what the leadership, black, white, whatever, the Democrat Party, they don't want school choice because they don't want your kids educated. Because if your kids get educated, they may get a good job and make some money. And then when they see how much taxes are coming out of their paycheck, they're going to go vote Republican. So they want there them to go. stay down so they will be on the government dime, need the government to be for their assistance so they can continue to vote Democrat and vote for all these ungodly policies. Okay, jump back with a couple more of the lies in the, uh, that you exposed. Well, here's, here's another one. Uh, uh, the, the abortion is all about choice. We, we, that's, that's shooting fish in a barrel, uh, Gary, because we know what it's about. It is about a bloodlust that the Democrat Party has where they have to kill people. It's also about selling body parts for money. It's also about just straight out and out hatred. That's all it is. It's like cancer. It's like a hurricane. It's like a tornado. They are just that way. They're, you know, we saw the um, image today, uh, the film of, the, of this mean, dirty man shooting homeless people on the streets of New York City. Just imagine just laying there. He just shot in. That is what these abortion people are. They have to kill people. That's who they are. And for us to try to explain it away is a waste of time. It's just who they are. Uh, the other one is that racism is the problem here in America. No, it's not. The b- biggest problem in America is black male cowardice. There you go. White men aren't it. doing the smashing grabs. White men aren't leaving four or five children behind uh, to, and, and not taking care of them. White men aren't killing black men in the streets. White men aren't selling dope in the ghettos. White men aren't burning buildings and kicking over cars and acting a fool. These are black men. It takes courage for a man to get up at 530 in the morning when the snow is one foot deep and get in his car and still go to work and then bring all his money home to his wife and his children, sit there with his children, eat dinner, help them with the homework, put them to bed at night, take them to church on the weekend. 
for 40 years. That's courage. But these young black men are doing all of this foolishness and then want to try to deflect and say some kind of way that white America or white Republicans are the cause of it. And I'm looking at them and saying, man, no white people down here. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it well, systematic. It's yourself. systematic all over the place. They're in the air. Yeah. You know, Vin, Vince, Vince it, it makes your head explode, doesn't it? Vince, you know, you, you know the, the second part of your book is about, in your title, is about how to refute these things. And, and I understand refuting is important. But my question, yeah, I want you to tell people, you know, how you go about trying to refute these. But... Boy, how do we deal with all these people who have what you know the Bible calls itching ears, which means mm. you'll give them the truth, but this is the truth they want. They want the Democrats to be right. So we can tell them. I have all kind of friends that you tell them the truth, but it doesn't matter even when we refute the Democrat Party lies because they want, they have the itching ears. That's what they want to believe. Yeah, we have to understand this. Um, Jesus said in the Bible, he said that um, I'm going to send you out there to preach. He said, you're going to go to some cities and they're not going to hear you. He said, but what do you do? He said, when you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet and it'll be better for Solomon and Gomorrah than it will be in those, for those towns when I come back. He never chased anybody. There you go. He said, I'm going to put the message out there and the people that seek me will find it. People that want it will get it. And he's always right, Gary. You have a talk show out there that anybody that wants to access it can hear it. Anybody. My friends won't listen. Out there. My friends yeah. won't listen. I sent it to him. I had a big uh, discussion on Sunday with my, my friends. He was asking about the virus and the vaccine. I'm telling him the virus, the vaccine's dangerous. You got the proof. Yeah, but I said, I'm not sending it to you unless you want it, unless you really care. I got friends talking about I'd rather live in a communist country than under a racist president like Trump for damn sure. They're former friends, I should say. These are black people. They're nuts. They want to believe the lie. Yes, they do. And there's nothing you can do about it, Gary. Ain't nothing you do but pray and let them go about their way. I've wasted too much of my time trying to help someone that doesn't want to be helped. C.S. Lewis said, the great Christian uh, apologist, said that hell is a choice. And when I read that, I said, man, C.S. must be tripping. Don't nobody choose to go to hell. But then I thought, and when I started thinking about it, I said, wow. You see the morbid obese person that won't go to the gym. You see the junkie that won't go to rehab. You see the battered wife that won't leave that bad man. All of them choose in hell. And when you look at this world, you see people choosing hell. A person that votes for a person that says that I will disarm you in a war zone, choosing hell. A person that votes for a person that says I will not give you the option to choose how your child is educated, is choosing hell. A person that votes for a person that says that you can't make it no matter how hard you try, that I'm going to strict your religious liberties. I'm going to bring over illegals and put them in your neighborhood so they can bring fentanyl and drug and, and sex trafficking and drug trafficking. They're choosing hell. And you can't do anything for them except let them hit rock bottom like the prodigal son did. And like right. his daddy said, let him hit rock bottom. And he was standing there at the window looking for him. And when he came home, he forgave it. He said, come on back home, son. There you go. And loved it. Always loved it. But but he didn't try to stop him. When that boy came to his dad and said, give me my money. I want to hit the streets. His dad let him go. Let him go. Go ahead. Let Satan smack him around. You have to do that. Just let him go. That's Mm -hmm. right. Turn him over to God. Yep. And pray for him. 
and when and, and always let them know there's a place for you when you want to talk. Right. I heard this great story about Jerry about about, about Jerry Falwell from, from his brother Jonathan. He said, you know, um, Jerry Falwell and Larry Flett, the old point, the old point mm-hmm. used to have it out all the time. And then uh, Jonathan said, you know, I was a teenager, I couldn't stand Larry Flett because of what he put my daddy through. But my daddy always liked Larry. And I saw him talking to Larry one time. I'm sitting there with an attitude. And after Larry leaves, I asked daddy, I said, daddy, why are you talking to that pornographer? And all these put our family through. And my daddy said, he said, listen, he said, Larry Flint's a sinner. He said, and I hope and I pray that one day that Larry's going to find Jesus. And when that day comes, I want him to pick up the phone and call me. He said, if I make him think he, I hate him, he won't call me. He might have anywhere to go. And I want Larry Flint to call me. I never forgot that story. Mm-hmm. As much of a center, as low down as dirty as Larry Flint was, Jerry Falwell was kind to him because he said, when he wants to be saved, I want Larry to say, I know a man. Jerry Falwell is kind to me. He was a preacher. Let me call him. And if you know That's the what story, we do, Larry, Larry did give Jesus, he moved over there for a hot minute and gave it a shot. But I don't think he made it at the end the way, if I remember how his life ended up. But he actually yeah, at I'll, one I'll, point I'll actually got baptized and and tried to tried to follow Christ. But, it, <laughs> you know. You know, you know, you know the deal. You got it. The yeah. race is how you finish. It's not how you start. But Larry, exactly. but but Jerry Falwell did have a pronounced effect on him. Vince, before I asked you to tell people how to find you in this closing moments, because this is just so powerful, what you said, please explain why weakness invites aggression and and why with these Republicans having no spine and no backbone, it's just putting a kick me sign uh, on the Democratic Party to kick us in the butt and 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 then, you know, tell people how they can reach you. If, if we've learned nothing as black people throughout our history, even when there were three times more black men in South Carolina, two times more black men and white men in Mississippi after the Civil War. We allowed ourselves to be mistreated. We allowed our wives and children to be raped. We allowed our neighbors to be castrated. We allowed ourselves to be disenfranchised. Why? Because we were weak. We wouldn't fight back. Gary, I know you know this lesson. I know this from just talking to you as a man. If some, nobody bothers you because if they do, they might, you know, they, they might end up having to deal with you. As I tell people, I got two things that I always do. I arm myself with knowledge for the wise man and a gun for the food. And I deal with <laughs> it. The Democrat Party is the same way, except that they're weak. And because they're weak, you got people like Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, the Ayatollahs in Iran watching. The only thing that they understand is power. power. I learned work in the penitentiary. I worked in a cell block with 127 alphas and I had to control them for eight hours a day. I understood the strongest guy in the block was not the guy was not the biggest. It was a guy that would use his knife. And I was a guy that would use mine. And I kept them under control because they always knew that me and my boys would come and do what we needed to do to keep control. Biden is weak. When they saw him leave Afghanistan like a scalded dog, Mm -hmm. they said, this is our time to get what we want. We have a coward in the White House. And they leaped on it. And now you see what's going on. The world is in turmoil. Everybody. Because liberals are weak. 
they believe uh, in this foolishness called climate change, or they believe they're God. Yeah, yeah. The liberals and Democrats can control the weather now. Ain't that something? Uh-huh. They can control the weather. Yeah, they got people believing they can actually control the weather. They believe in we 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 got all this chaos. They talking about gender conformity and and, and castrating little boys, uh, uh, men walking around in dresses, men leaving their wives and their children, saying I'm a woman now, and he's being applauded. And you're wondering why America is fall, is falling apart. Our latest census told us that the America that last year we had the lowest. Uh, 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 we, we, we had the lowest birth rate in the history of this country. In the history. This country is dying. And it's dying because the Democratic Party is weak. They're, they're feckless. They hate God. And this is our opportunity to turn it around. And 25 Lies will help you do it. You can go online, just put in 25 Lies, Vince Everett Ellison, it'll shoot up all over the internet. You can go to my website, VinceEllison.com. That's three E's in the middle. VinceEllison.com. If you get this book, it'll change your life. Vince, you know, you brought the heat as you always do. You know, you're always welcome to come back on. Continued success in all your endeavors. And always remember, continue to put forth the truth because light shines you know, when it's true and the darker things are, the brighter the light can be. So I, I really appreciate for who you are as a man, who you are in Christ and what you do. So continue to do it and don't let them grind you down. They're, they're not. God, there's a remnant that's going to be taken care of. See, they're not going to get me and you. They, they already know that. They're after our children. They're after our grandchildren. Uh, I'm not going to ask permission in my own house. America is my home. My people helped build this place and I know my way around. I'm going to be fine and you're going to be fine. Thank you. And once again, thanks for coming on and uh, just continue to shout truth from the rooftops because as you said, somebody is listening and all we have to do is change one heart and then they get one and get one and that's how we take this country back. Once again, everybody. I love you. Same here. God bless you and your family. Take care. Once again, Vince Everett Ellison, author of the book 25 Lies, but also please check out The Iron Triangle. These books are the real deal, and Vince is the real deal. Kicks butt, take names, no apologies because he's standing on truth. I want to thank Vince Everett Ellison for not pulling one single punch, for telling it like it is, refuting the lies Democrats have been selling to us as truth forever. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.